everyone. Welcome to the Film for Fans podcast, your home for movie news, reviews, and movie fan views. This is the podcast from movie fans for movie fans. I am your host, Ryan Dunleavy, joined, as always, by my co-host, Rob Dunham. Hello, everyone. All right. It is Christmas week, and we have a packed show for you today. We will talk about the box office explosion that was Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, We will continue our Christmas movie classic series talking about a Christmas story. We will have a very special interview with a friend of the podcast and Superman enthusiast Steve Glarum about a project that he has worked on to improve the original Spider-Man movies. And of course, it would not be a podcast this week without our breakdown of Spider-Man and No Way Home. All right, Rob, we got a jam-packed show. Are you ready for this? Can you handle let's this excitement? All right, well, let's let's get right off the bat with our box office results. And needless to say, they were tremendous. If you happen to see Spider-Man No Way Home this week, you were probably in a full theater. And the reason for that is this movie killed it. And I mean killed it, not just pandemic version of killed it. This killed it for any time in the box office whatsoever. Uh, Spider-Man No Way Home in its opening weekend made $260 million, uh, including a a global total uh, between domestic and international box office results of $587 million. That is an incredibly huge figure. Uh, Keep in mind, this is the third biggest domestic opening of all time not just during the pandemic, of all time. Uh, Not, of course, adjusted for inflation, but uh, it beats out Star Wars A Force Awakens, which did $247 and it beat out Avengers Infinity War at $257 It did come in, of course, behind Avengers Endgame, which is $357 million. Uh, But... This was the first film to even in the pandemic era to even break a hundred million dollars. So it did, you know, 150 times that. It's it's absolutely incredible. Um, In in addition, uh, this figure opening weekend dwarfed the best pandemic movie is entire run, which currently was sitting with Marvel Shang-Chi, which had done $224 million overall for its entire run. And this did $260 million opening weekend. Um, so that is the big part of the news. Uh, I'll, I'll quickly cover the, the other results, and we'll get right back to the Spider-Man. Uh, Encanto finished second at 6.5. West Side Story finished third at 3.7 mil. Ghostbusters at 3.4 and Nightmare Alley in its debut week only did $2.8 million, which was a little bit surprising, but not necessarily when you're going up against Spider-Man. Rob, why did Spider-Man No Way Home succeed this wildly? Uh, I just think people love Spider-Man. 
<laughs> and I think there was a lot of intrigue around this, especially considering it most likely uh, is Tom Holland's last uh, movie as Spider-Man um, as, as like a title character from what he has said in interviews and things. Um, I was very surprised when I went to see it on Monday night and I was in like, there were only like three seats left in the theater when I got my ticket, like Monday night at 6 p.m. Yeah. So I was like, oh, it's been a while since I've done this. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm used to there being a lot of space and leg room in the theater, and there was not when I went on Monday night. Um, and that says definitely says something about how uh, it's doing and how the word of mouth about it is spreading, um, that people are people. We're packing the theater still a few days later. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's incredible. I think you have a lot of different factors in. I think one factor is, of course, you have um, the larger MCU world um, is a factor, but it certainly didn't work to get Black Widow, Shang-Chi, or the Eternals up to this level. So that can't be the whole thing. Spider-Man, of course, is an incredibly popular character. And the movies, the previous movies are incredibly popular. So that's part of it. Um, it came out around Christmas time, which Christmas is a very big movie debut time, but it wasn't right at Christmas. Um, it has the factor of the... the I think... All of these coalesce, like the idea of the multiverse is still very, very attractive to people. Uh, the potential or the thought process of what might happen with other villains from previous series, potentially other possible Spider-Man from other series. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like that intrigue was really, really strong. Um it's just strange to see all of those coalesce. I, I'm very, very happy about it, but I, it's interesting to see them all coalesce to basically being a completely normal release for the first time in over two years. Yeah, and uh, like you said, not really normal, above normal. <laughs> yeah. Even for uh, how things were previously. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting because... I'm glad I, I would have predicted that coming a little sooner in terms of like other movies having done this. Um, but this, this truly was a breakthrough moment. Um, I think in terms of the box office, I don't know how many films will still be able to pull down. I don't think we're quite back to returning to where every single blockbuster is going to be back to making what it would normally make pre pandemic. But um yeah, I, and it, I think it's people believe, I think people genuinely believe that this was going to be a good movie, which you can't necessarily say about some of the other ones. I think mm -hmm. people genuinely believed going in that this was going to be a good movie. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what it does um, this week following mm -hmm. after the big opening weekend, see what kind of drop there is. Yeah, it will be interesting for multiple reasons, but this triggers us straight into the next one. Um, or unless we'll, we'll be back to talk more about Spider-Man uh, later in the podcast. Uh, 
But one of the reasons why we have to watch uh, for it being uh, what the drop-off is going to be is because this is a packed opening week. Uh, this Christmas week is absolutely packed at the box office with some other big releases. Um, opening this weekend, actually opening on Wednesday, uh, some of these open Wednesday, some of these open on Friday. Uh, Matrix Resurrections, the new Matrix movie will be out, is out. Actually, this one debuts on the 22nd. The King's Man, the latest in the Kingsman uh, this will be the third movie in that installment. Sing 2, the cartoon story uh, that features a lot of music. And American Underdog, the Kurt Warner movie uh, about his life and football career. So these are four, four pretty reasonable releases to go with all of the stuff that's already in the box office, including, of course, Spider-Man. Um so, Rob, first, how do you think Spider-Man uh, will hold up in its second week up against this slate of movies? I think for sure it will have a pretty significant drop. Um, the Matrix, I think, is going to get a lot of attention uh, from, <clears throat> from the adult crowd. And I think that Sing 2 will get a lot of attention from uh, kids and parents with kids. Yeah. So uh, especially since they're both coming out around Christmas time. Mm-hmm. Because I know a lot of people go out to uh, movies special for this time of year. So I will not be surprised to see both of them do pretty well this week. Mm -hmm. My guess is that Spider-Man will still top the box office. Sing 2 will be the the best release from this weekend. Uh, Because I think, first of all, I think it's getting great reviews. And... And if you've got any kid under, like, probably, what, 10 and under, uh, Sing is probably going to be your choice for the weekend. And since families will go to theaters this week, I think that's probably going to do pretty well. I also think there's the factor of, I don't know that a ton of people are convinced that The Matrix Resurrection is going to be a great movie. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's intrigue around it, but I think there's a lot of other stuff around it where we're, you know, I just don't know how many people are convinced it's going to be good. Um, and, and so that's what I'm, that's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting, um, I'm expecting the Spider-Man to be first, Sing 2 to be second, Matrix third. I'm kind of surprised that the King's Man, uh, decided to go in at the same time as the rest of these films, Mm -hmm. Uh, because you would ordinarily think on a different weekend, that might be your number one at the box office. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of surprised they threw their hat in the ring at this um, during this week. Maybe it's just a function of there being a backlog of movies uh, from from last year. Yeah, and uh, with American Underdog, as a sports fan, it's hard for me to take Zachary Levi seriously as Kurt Warner. <laughs> <laughs> just watching the trailer because when when and and I kind of had some of the same issue with <clears throat> with Moneyball a little bit mm-hmm. with some of the sports action sequences just because i know like exactly how these people looked and played and stuff and yeah it can be hard to get past uh imagining chris pratt as he played what scott hatterberg in that movie yeah. uh-huh. um it's just a little weird uh when it's so <laughs> when it's so recent like yeah. a person that i've actually seen play yeah i think the story certainly warrants a movie 
Um, but I think football of all the sports is the hardest to replicate for a movie because the action is so intense and so fierce and so fast. It doesn't lend itself to great cinema. Yeah. yeah I think it's always a challenge with football movies. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Uh, so, Rob, which one are you most likely to see this weekend? What 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 intrigues you the most and what are you most likely to see? Because they may be two different questions. Yeah. Um, what intrigues me the most is The Matrix, like you said, because we're not quite sure how good it will be or won't be. Mm-hmm. But the trailers have made me very interested in it, and I'm sure I'll see it at some point in the next week. Uh, but I will almost 100% certainly be seeing Sing 2 because – Mm-hmm. of my children and we all <laughs> it it um has been a tradition that we go to a movie on christmas so this will probably be the one that we end up going to mm-hmm. and i i didn't i i really enjoyed the first one so i'll okay i'm pretty sure i'll enjoy this one too so yeah i didn't see the first one i didn't have necessarily reason to go see it and it just didn't catch my radar so uh, but this one apparently is getting excellent reviews. People think highly of it leading in. So we'll see if that remains true. And you can tell us about it next week. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, for me, it's, it is also the Matrix Resurrections just because, like, I'm, a, I'm not convinced it's going to be a good movie. But I, you know, I'm the type that can't stay away <laughs> and just rest on my laurels that I'm not sure it's going to be a good movie. I have to go see it for myself. Uh, so I'm, I'm very intrigued with that. Uh, but I really, I wouldn't mind seeing any of them. And I wouldn't mind seeing Spider-Man again. So there is a not insignificant chance I'll spend the entire week in the movie theater. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, that's, that's the box office for this week. There are plenty of options. So many things out there that you can see, including... You'll still have the option to go see Encanto or West Side Story or Ghostbusters and Nightmare Out. All of them are still in. So um, get ready for that. Uh, Go see the theater. Go out to the theaters. It's a great time to do it. All right. Let's move on to our our discussion element. Uh, Christmas movie classic series. If you have been paying attention, we've been highlighting different famous classic Christmas movies and talking about what makes them classic and maybe even looking into a few memorable scenes. Um, So this week we are tackling a Christmas story. Uh, A Christmas story is, of course, a long time running classic about a boy who really, really, really wants an air rifle for Christmas and about his singular quest to get it. This movie came out in 1983. And uh, so both of us, were you, you were born in 83? Yeah, I was one. Okay. All right. Yeah. So both of us were barely alive when this movie came out, <laughs> but it is still, it is still played very regularly. Um, I don't know if they're still doing it, but I think one of the, one of the cable channels used to run this for 24 hours right around Christmas. They would just run it back to back to back. Um, so this, this movie takes place in the 1940s. It's about a young boy named Ralphie who attempts to convince his parents, his teachers, and Santa that he needs a Red Rider BB gun for Christmas. Uh, so we will talk about what makes this classic, but we first have to get the elephant out of the room here. 
And that is that Rob has still never seen a Christmas story. <laughs> Rob, explain yourself. <laughs> I, I feel like I've heard so much about it and referenced in holiday specials and clips of it that um, I feel like I've seen it, but I haven't. So uh, <laughs> something about you'll shoot an eye out or something. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of feel like this is the exorcist of Christmas movies for me that I've seen like all, <laughs> all the important parts. And so nothing's going to shock me, but I should probably still watch it just to say that I've seen it. Yes. Uh huh. I, I I will say in slight defense for you is I think I saw it for the first time maybe about ten years ago, um, so I didn't grow up watching a Christmas story. However, I still have seen it several times in the last ten years. So uh, you know, for whatever that's worth. <laughs> <laughs> At some point, you figured you'd get around to it. Um, so Ryan will uh, tell me why it's a classic mm-hmm. and why. All of us should watch it. Yes. Uh, it's it's fascinating to, to think about this movie because it is now it's it's crossed so many generations in the fact that it's almost 40 years old at this point and people are still watching it. Um, and it, we're past the point of even even the nostalgia reference, because I, I talked to my dad not too long ago about this movie. He's like, this is even like before my childhood. Because my dad was born in, in 56. So like growing up in the 40s, like he wasn't even alive in the 40s. So we're now multiple generations where this isn't just a nostalgic thing. Remembering back to an era when you were alive. Um, so it, it, it's, it's really funny. Um, so why I think you should take your, your time to watch this movie. I think the main thing is, is the story surrounding Ralphie. Now, it takes place with him being a small boy, but it's narrated by him as an adult. Uh, so you have that, that position of him looking back on a story from his childhood. Um, I think that story setup, especially as you get older, really starts to relate to you as you remember back on your own childhood and your own experiences around Christmas. Um, there's... Many of us have had that one thing that we absolutely wanted for Christmas. We really, really wanted it. And we were just hoping upon hope that we would get it. And we're, we're dropping hints and we're dropping clues and we're, we're making it, we're putting it bold on our lists. Uh, I don't know. Was there a gift like that for you growing up where you just absolutely really wanted something? Uh, I would say video games, but I never got them. So <laughs> Nintendo was on my list for a very long time. Yeah. It took it took years and years before that one came true. Yeah, we eventually got Nintendo 64 because I saved up my paper route money for a whole year and bought it for my brothers myself. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So it, it reminds you of that, you know, that 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 whole struggle as a kid. Uh and and there's always the, there's always things that you wanted as a kid that that somebody was convinced were too old for you or that you couldn't handle or that were unsafe. And this is this is the main the main theme of this is him trying to convince every single person that he needs this BB gun, especially his mother. The famous shoot your eyes out. Uh, so I think the main reason why you should see this movie is it's because it's just a callback to childhood and a callback to childhood Christmas. Uh, on top of that, there's there's just a number of really funny moments in it. Um, the 
the in particular, I, I love the scenes where like uh, they're outside as kids and they've got the littlest brother. He's, he's dressed up in this giant like snowsuit that like means he just basically like can't bear, can barely walk and he falls over and like, he can't get back up because of the snowsuit. Um, there's a, there's a scene where they lick a, uh, where Ralphie licks a, a frost covered pole and all the ridiculousness that ensues as a result of that. Um, his, his classic journey to try and get to Santa to convince Santa uh, that he should have a, have a rifle. Um, are you familiar with the leg lamp? Yes. Yes. See, that's another classic moment where the father wins this prize and it's this hideous leg lamp, <laughs> but he thinks it's the greatest thing in the history of the world. And so the, the quest between the dad who thinks it's the greatest thing in the world and the mother who thinks it's hideous and she doesn't want it in her house. Uh, that dynamic is great. Um, there's just so many things that, that call back to classic childhood. Uh, I think that's some of the reasons why. Christmas story is classic and why Rob should see it. I think I'm convinced. Okay. Well, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) That's very good. Uh, So that is a Christmas story. And we'll probably do another week of um, uh, Christmas classics. Maybe we'll, we'll hit some of the older classics and, uh, and just talk about a couple of them briefly for next week's podcast. All right, so next we have for you a, an excellent uh, interview with my friend and podcast fan, Steve Galarum. Uh, he is going to talk to us about a special project he has uh, to remake the original Superman movies. Uh, so uh, we'll, uh, we'll, sh- we'll play that interview for you and hope that you enjoy that. And then Rob and I... We're back to discuss Spider-Man. And now a special guest on the podcast joining us is Steve Glarum. Steve is a good friend of mine and uh, a friend of the podcast. And you may have uh, heard his voice on a couple of our instant reaction podcast episodes. How are you doing, Steve? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, so Steve, I guess we should probably tell people why I'm talking to you. I, I think that's probably something, a place to start. Uh, so <laughs> the reason why Steve is on the podcast today is Steve, uh, for the last, uh, last number of months has been engaged in a very special movie project, a kind of a hobby on his part. And, uh, it's very, very interesting and very intriguing. And I thought we would have Steve on to, to share a little bit. So Steve, tell us what is your movie project that you've been working on? Uh, so it's basically my, it's a new version of the old Superman movies. Mm. Um, I took the four old Superman movies and I made a new story out of them. Uh, so yeah, so the old, you know, the old movies that started from the late 70s to the late 80s, four movies. Um, the first one was great, and they got worse from, you know, there, there on out. And, um, so many did. And I grew up, you know, yeah, I grew up watching them. I loved them as a kid, you know, from when I was like three years old. I was the guy, you know, asking his mom to pin the, the towel around his neck and I love flying. And I think my love for Superman really came from those old movies. 
Um, but as I grew up, I started to understand why a lot of the movies weren't very good. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so I, there were always things I wanted to fix. And I finally mm-hmm. found a way to do that. Okay. So now when you say find a way to fix, what does, what does that mean? <laughs> Talk to us. What, what was it that you specifically did? Okay. So I found a video editing program and you know, I'm not a techie guy at all. Yeah. Um, so I just had to stumble along and figure it out as I went along, but I basically found a hit film express where I could take audio and visual, you know, from the different movies. Um, and also some of the newer Superman movies, I got stuff from, you know, Man of Steel and Superman Returns um, and put that all together to be able to splice it, rearrange things. Um, and also I scoured YouTube for like, like deleted scenes and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. got a little audio there, a little visual there to put it together. Um, yeah. And I wasn't sure if it would be possible to do it, mm-hmm. but it actually, it actually worked. <laughs> At least I think so. <laughs> um yeah yeah and you were part of the inspiration actually oh, i don't know if you knew that I, i'm not sure yeah. i did or this podcast i was this podcast is part of what inspired me okay um so back when we did our snyder cut justice league movie night mm-hmm. um i remember you and i talking afterwards about how if we could just you know shorten the snyder cut add in a couple things that were good from the weeding cut and yeah. just like you could make the ultimate version of that movie. Yeah. Um, and I seriously considered doing that. I was like, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm going to try to see if I can do this. Um, and then shortly afterwards, I'm not sure what happened first. I'm like the chicken or the egg. Um, <laughs> but I had this idea of like, what if I made this one major change to the first Superman movie, which was really good. Um, and like, Yeah. I'm not sure if that happened first or, or if I ended up watching all four movies in one weekend mm. um, and that's what inspired me to do it. Or if I was already thinking of doing it and then I ended up watching the four movies to see if I had enough content there that I could really make it work. Okay. Um, but basically I decided to go for that instead of the justice league thing. I might still do that someday, but after mm-hmm. how long this has taken me, I might not. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so basically the premise of the movie or my movie is what if in the first Superman movie, Superman was not able to turn back time to save Lois mm. um, and what, you know, kind of happens after that point. Um, it gets into the whole alternate universe concept, okay, which I feel is, you know, it's well understood at this point. It's been in movies for years now. It's been in the comics for decades. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's most similar to the Fringe show. Mm. You and mm-hmm. I used to watch that together, but oh, yeah. Fringe, Fringe, it dealt with, yeah, one of our favorites. Yes. Um, but it dealt with two alternate universes. You mm-hmm. know, it really didn't go to like many, many, many universes. It was just dealt with two and the differences between them. Yeah. The concept, like if you make one decision in this universe, it could, you know, split off into a, you know, multiple you know different universe where something else happened or something like yeah. that so yeah. this is this is not this is not like the steve glarum cut of the original superman movies this is like an entirely different story yes it is okay. different plot um i mean it, it really starts off 
with a lot of like what what's in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually became so long that I split it into two separate movies. <laughs> uh, so the first movie focuses on like the origin story, which yeah. is, you know, a lot of the first movie I did shorten things because let's face it, like old movies were really slow. Yes. Pacing. Um, pacing. <laughs> so, but you still get the full origin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then it also gets into the romance between him and Lois Lane um, and really develops that. Uh, so when you get into the second movie, which is really the main part, the main where everything really deviates from the old movies, you've got that foundation of the first movie. You wouldn't have to watch the first movie, especially since most people like they kind of have an idea of Superman and, and his story and everything. Yeah. His origin has um, been well, well documented. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, but the second movie is really where it all happens and everything changes. Mm. So how did, how did you go about deciding, did you just start out with say, what if we made this one change? Did you storyboard it out? Uh, What was your creative process in going through with this? It was really just my mind, just once it has an idea, I just keep on going with it. And I don't know if I could have done this with any other movie series because I've watched these so many times. Mm -hmm. I was basically, okay, if Lois Lane died, instead of Superman going back in time, he actually broke into a different universe. Like I could use a scene from Superman three here. Mm-hmm. I could use a scene from, or the audio from this here. And like, and I just started, it just started snowballing or I could use this and that. And then it just kind of grew or I was like, and you, but I didn't really know if I had enough pieces to put it all together. Like would I have these gaps where it just doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really think it came together. Well, I did have to use some tricks here or there. Um, that you wouldn't, if you were just making a movie, you know, you could just make the scenes you want to make where I can yeah. only use what's already there. Yeah. That was quite the challenge. Um, and yeah, it's very different from, yeah, just a regular director or something. Mm-hmm. So did you have to, how many times did you have to alter your storyline based on like not having a specific clip for what you had in mind or or was it just so driven by the, the information you already had that you didn't have to backtrack that often? There were a few times where it's just, I just couldn't quite use what I wanted to use. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it was even something as silly as there's, there's this line that somebody's saying that I want to use, but there's music in the background. <laughs> and when you're editing something that's already been created, you can't separate that, you know, yeah. or I, sometimes I was, I would be able to kind of hide it or, but a lot of times there was times where I just couldn't use something, but looking back, I was like, it's actually better that I didn't use those scenes. Hmm. Um, and it was good. I was trying to limit my time frame of keeping the movie short and everything where I just had to really stick with um, the main plot of it. Um, but yeah, there were times where it was just, I couldn't use something, but then a lot of times I was able to find a way around it um, <laughs> through. Yeah. Just cheating basically. Uh, <laughs> um but no, I, I think everything I really needed to use, I was able to use. Um, sometimes I wouldn't be able to use the audio from the clip. I'd have to just overlay with music. Mm. Um, but that's where like things like the Man of Steel came in handy. Cause like you got that like Hans Zimmer yeah. drum and everything like that. And just adds to, you know, and it can kind of drown out, you know, what, so you just, I don't know, it added more oomph to the old movies and scenes. Um, so I had, I had more material to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I mean, I did limit myself to Superman material. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I also feel like that added to kind of like what I wanted to do of paying homage to Superman, to the old movies, but also, you know, giving it a fresh feel, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So what was, let's look at it. So what was your beef with the original ones? What was it? What was it? Give me some things that you were like, that should not have happened. That should not have been there (laughs) that led you down this path. Yeah. That is a great question. You just opened a can of worms, my friend. I know. (laughs) Um, So with the, let's say the later movies, Mm -hmm. because they just got worse and worse. Like every movie had more things that bothered me, more inconsistencies, Mm. more extra powers that they gave Superman that he doesn't have. Yeah. Um, Just more cheesiness, basically. Mm. Um, Where, and I think everybody kind of agrees when like they're looking back on the old Superman movies, like the first one was excellent. That, that really started the whole superhero genre. Yeah. Movies. Um, the, and then like the second one, it started out being the same director and then they kicked that director out. And then the other guy did a lot of his stuff. And I don't think he did a good job towing the line that you need to tow with superhero movies is like, you can't get too cartoony. Yeah. Even though you're doing comics, it can't be too ridiculous or cartoony. Yeah. Um, and then it just, it just kept going downhill until it just crashed and burned in the fourth one where it just was a mess. Hmm. Um, but the first one, the only things I didn't like about the first one was I didn't like this. I didn't like Lois Lane. I think, okay. I think Margot Kidder was a great choice. You know, um, I, yeah, never was a fan of her. Even she's a good actor, mm-hmm. but I didn't, I don't know. Didn't like her. And then also I didn't like the part. And this is, I think most people's beef with Superman. <laughs> the first one is that he can turn back time by yeah. flying really fast around the world and somehow turning the world, making the world rotate in the other direction to turn somehow back time. Turns back time. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, so it's like, I know we're dealing with a movie that has an alien that wears a cape and flies, but it's still like, that was, that's a little too ridiculous. The suspension of disbelief. There is a limit to your suspension of disbelief. Yeah. And that, that was just something that always kind of, but it's also, you're giving Superman an, a, an ability to just undo anything bad that happens. Yeah. <clears throat> and I just don't think that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, and yeah, just you think of the science of we'd all would explode if he tried that. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, so really my premise solved both of those two problems that I had with the first one. Okay. Um, where Lois dies and stays dead. And when he tries to turn back time, he ends up breaking through to an alternate universe. Where that has its own Superman, its own Lois Lane, its own Lex Luthor, where things can maybe be unwrapped or happening in a similar way, but there are some differences too, which gives me some. I I love the multiverse concept because it really gives you a lot of freedom to do similar yet different, and or you can go as crazy as you want. Yeah. So what were what were your kind of what were your boundaries? Because again, with everything like with the multiverse, you know you know to uh, i'm sorry i'll have to use spider-man and his with great power comes great responsibility and and so with the with the the can of worms that is a multiverse like how do you how do you decide what your boundaries are on on making something like that to prevent it from going in a crazy direction yeah i didn't have to worry about that because one i could only use what what material was already there yep um two i had the self-limiting rule of i was only going to use superman elements okay so even if i knew there was a christopher reeve quote from this other movie that might work i was like nope i'm sticking with superman okay. um 
so those two things, but plus I think the plot was, I don't know. It's just, it always, I always kind of knew where I was going with it, mm-hmm. what I wanted to keep. And, and really it was great because this is one, one of my favorite things about this is it has all the great elements of each of the movies in this repackaged in this different story. Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't have to watch all of those movies. You get kind of all the good parts. And I, don't, I was only half trying that. I wasn't even really, that wasn't my goal, but it just kind of happens that way where all the good stuff, all the things that I like from the movies happen to be in this. Like I, as a Superman fan, would feel weird having recommending the old Superman movies to somebody, but I would feel fine recommending this because like you get all of it um, in a more interesting, yeah. I don't yeah. I think it's interesting. <laughs> nice. So, so let's, let's take a step back for a second. What yeah. is it about Superman? I, you have always been a Superman guy as long as I've yeah. known you. What was it about <laughs> Superman specifically yeah. that resonates with you as not that you don't like the other superheroes, but what is it about Superman that makes, that makes him your top uh, superhero? Yeah. So three years old, the babysitter would sit me down in front of the old Superman movies. Um, so I've been, you know, watching them since then. And I really, mm-hmm. just the concept of flying, you know, as a kid was just the, the coolest thing ever. Um, and then, you know, when I got to be a teenager, I was into comics, especially Superman comics. Um, and I think the character of Superman is really what always kept me drawn to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like any Superman fan will, any true Superman fan will tell you that it's not really like his powers that make him super. It's his, his character. Yeah. <clears throat> and I feel like after my teen years, uh, I was seeing kind of the start of Superman. Everybody was trying to make Superman like in the comics, I'm guessing talking about trying to make him more relatable and less mm-hmm. someone to aspire to Yeah. Uh, more human. Um, and, and that, that trend has really continued on. Um, you see it very clearly in Man of Steel, mm-hmm. even though I did like, I like that movie. Yeah. Um, it's very much the deconstruction of Superman, just trying to make him just a normal guy with superpowers. Can he be trusted? Will he go, you know, what, if, what happens if he goes evil? Mm-hmm. That kind of thing where you didn't see that in the old movies. It was always like, you know, he was, a, you knew he was a good guy. And that wasn't something that was boring. Uh, I think a lot of people, that's their criticism of Superman is just, he's, he's bland, he's boring. Um, but I think he's, he's the, he's the first, he's the kind of Superman that the superhero, you get all the other superheroes from, even if you have somebody like Deadpool, like he's a, he's just trying to be the opposite of Superman. Yeah. Like, he's the anti-Superman. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly. So, so I think, yeah, I think it's really his character that, like, I, is what, why I'm still a fan. Why, and I think this project has helped like rekindle that love of Superman. Cause I mean, I've you know, all the time I spent looking at Superman stuff has really got me back into it where I really had, you know, drifted off from that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I still like, he is a compelling character, I think. Nice. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with a lot of that. Absolutely. And he can fly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, how long did this project take you? Uh, a lot longer than I expected. <laughs> uh, I think altogether, because I took like a month and a half break. Mm-hmm. I like, I kind of thought I was done. I was sick of it. And then for like that month and a half that I said I wasn't going to work on it. It was supposed to be two months, by the way. Um, 
I like I kept having more thoughts of like what I wanted to change. And also there was like an extra chapter that I wanted to, to create to continue the story a little bit more. Mm. Um, so so taking that month and a half out, I think it was at least six or seven months of intense every spare moment. This is what I was working on, um, which I never would have guessed that. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a commitment. <laughs> that is quite that is quite the labor of love there. <laughs> it was. But it was like I don't think I would have been as driven to do it with any other. Mm-hmm. like the justice league i don't i would not have stayed that committed to it yeah um but i like i feel happy with the end result like mm-hmm. it, yeah it's something i feel good about it's still like it can be you know one scene to another it's it can be a little you know abrupt or jumpy a little bit it can be uh you know it just doesn't have the same flow as a normal movie where you can just you know the director has a certain amount of time between action scenes or whatever yeah um but I think the story actually makes sense at this point. So okay. that was, I, I think like you and I were talking the other day about like directors and like what they prioritize or what they care about. And I think it really does come out in a movie, like what matters to you. Yeah. Um, because I think, and I think this kind of helped me see this is like directors don't have all the time in the world to work on something. No. I, and I feel like creators, they could always keep working on, on something like but you, you have to, there is a time limit. Um, there's always going to be things you'd want to you keep working on or change, mm-hmm. but you just don't have that uh, as a possibility. So you have to choose what's most important to you. Um, like I, like telling the story was my biggest priority. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's some things I'm like, I'm apologetic with how bad the video quality turned out. Like, the, <laughs> but it's like somebody else would not have stood for that. They would have figured out how to fix that where I was like, I kept focusing on, the story itself um so yeah so it's it's really like what are your priorities are christopher nolan wes anderson like mm-hmm. they have very like this is what they care most about yeah um and yeah it, I th- it really does come out in the in the choices you make when you're making something yeah, yeah. not that i'm comparing myself to christopher <laughs> nolan <either. clears throat> well don't worry we'll only kind of hold you to those standards <laughs> Uh, so give us give us some spoilers. What 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 can what is expected in in the Steve Glam version? If anyone ever gets to see it, yeah. If anyone ever gets I, to see it, I'm still. That's what I felt. I was trying to figure out a way to post it online before the podcast, and I just keep running into dead ends because I've used all copyrighted material. Yeah, so, you know, <laughs> they'll just pounce on it as soon as I try to. <laughs> uploaded but i'll Maybe figure that out was it distributing it? black market copies yeah. of <laughs> <laughs> maybe you can post a link if i ever figure it out yeah um right now i'm, I'm burning them onto dvds um but uh spoilers okay so i already gave the one spoiler of you know mm-hmm. it really deviates from the old movies when Super- lois lane dies um and then, you know, Superman in a rage tries to turn back time and instead breaks through to an alternate universe um, where that Lex Luthor is kind of carrying out this a similar plot using, you know, nuclear missiles and stuff like that, as he did in the you know, in the first universe. Mm-hmm. Um, but this Superman that we that we know that has come through to the other universe, he's overwhelmed with the guilt and the grief of just losing Lois Lane and he's completely alone in this new universe. Um, So he goes through that kind of dark time that like, you know, what if Superman went dark or anything? Mm -hmm. He's kind of going through that in his grief. 
And then he comes face to face with the Superman of this universe. So he's kind of standing there face to face with himself, the guy who he hates at the moment. Um, so of course a fight breaks out. Um, but then having two Superman gives you a better chance of maybe stopping what Lex Luthor is trying to do in this universe. So he might get his chance to kind of redeem himself by saving the Lois Lane of this other universe. Okay. All right. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I should give the spoiler of like the romance element. Cause that's kind of okay. like, which for some reason, that's my favorite element. Okay. So you got to um, hold something back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's got to have some reason to watch it. <laughs> but yeah. 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 That's excellent. Uh, anything else that you want to, that you want to say about it before we, uh, before we wrap it up here? Uh, no, I mean, I'm hoping to make it a trilogy. Okay. I've, I'm, you know, I kind of like the same thing where it's snowballing in my head right now. I'm thinking Mm -hmm. of different things. It's actually, it's continuing on with the respect to all the things we love that are Superman. Um, uh, I will say it probably wouldn't be a full length movie. Like the first two are the, both of them are like an hour and 15 minutes. Okay. Um, but you never know. It might go longer just like the other one did. But it would, I will say it will rely heavily on Smallville clips. Ah, yes. Um, and yeah, it, it's very much, a, it's, it's changing the story while very much, yeah, paying its respects to the things that we, like, we loved Smallville. <laughs> yes. When it was. I, I have one request if you do that. Yeah. Bonna Lang, man. <laughs> Okay, She's what? Just so much better than the Lois Lane. <laughs> I mean, Lois was fine. I don't, you know, but yeah. Lana Lang, man, that's where it was at in Smallville. There are plenty of things that we disagree on, but this is one thing <laughs> that we uh, always will agree on. And that is the beauty of making your own versions of movies is you can mm-hmm. do whatever you want. Yes. And I will tell you that in a way, that is true. That is what is going to happen. Like, but my story's better because it's not that they don't get it get together in the end, mm-hmm. um, him and Lana. But I, I just, what do I? How much do I give away? I'll tell you the names. I'll tell you the titles of the the installments. Okay. Um, the first one is Superman: A New Beginning. Mm. The second is Superman: A New Universe. Okay. And the third is a Superman: A New Generation. Okay. I so, like it. I will. Okay. Maybe I'll just spoil it. Just yeah, okay. spoiler alert. Biggest one of the night. Um, so the story continues on. Um, and just like in the comics, Superman has a son mm-hmm. um, names him Jonathan. Uh, he grows up. So, so who we know as Clark Kent in the Smallville show would actually okay. be his son, Jonathan. Uh-huh. Okay. And there are certain reasons why that works really well. Okay. Um, I'm not giving that away, but, uh, <laughs> but there's a girl that he likes who's not Lana Lang because Lana Lang is, you know, Superman's, this is Superman's son, yeah. um, but it is played by Kristen Cruick. Oh, yes. So, <laughs> so, yeah. So it's just fun to think about. I just enjoy, you know, developing the idea and then just getting to tweak it along the way. Yeah. Well, that's, and that's, that's a great thing about movies is, 
is we can discuss them, we can talk about them, we can rip them apart, we can we can theorize as to what's what would be better, how they did this or did that. That's, but this is why I wanted to talk to you is because somebody <laughs> actually did something <laughs> about that. It wasn't just talking about it. Somebody actually went and did something about it. That's I respect right. that. That's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, that is it for uh, the interview with Steve Glam. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. And uh, we will hopefully figure out a way to let other people see this at some point. And we'll keep you updated on the Film for Fans podcast if that, if that can happen. So thank you, Steve. Thank you. Okay, we are back. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed that interview with uh, Steve Glarum and his special project. But now, now it's time to get to it. For our watch list today, we are, of course, talking about Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, we've already covered its massive box office success, so now let's get to the movie itself. And as always, when we do movie breakdowns, we will do the non-spoiler thoughts first, give you the spoiler warning, and then start breaking down the movie specifically. Uh, so, Rob, get us started. What did you think of the movie? Uh, <clears throat> I was impressed by the movie. I thought that the first maybe half an hour, 45 minutes felt a little slow. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't quite sure where it was going, uh, what the goal was with where the story was going. But I think that um, the last third of the movie paid, paid it off without a doubt, um, without going into any spoiler type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um I know one thing we were concerned about was the interplay between characters. If they would have enough time devoted to the characters to make them worthwhile. And I feel like they did a really good job of that Mm -hmm. too. I think that might've been the thing I was most impressed with about this movie, because it's really hard at times to even devote enough screen time or dialogue to three or four characters. And there were way more than that in this movie that, uh, were part of the story. So yeah, I was, I was impressed by it. I liked how they tied in um, Dr. Strange to the story, which is not a spoiler because we know he's in the movie. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. And I'm excited to see where that goes beyond this as well as there was a trailer. If, if you do go watch it, there's a trailer for the new Dr. Strange movie at the very end of the credits so stay to check that out too yeah yeah definitely uh largely i was very i was i was no i wouldn't say pleasantly surprised but i i really enjoyed this movie i enjoyed it for a number of reasons which we'll get down to the specific breakdowns but it's enter it's entertaining it has it has a great balance between legacy fan stuff um actual story line interesting action uh emotional weight and character development and as as you indicated the the ability to be able to successfully use a large cast of characters has been one of the mcu's success stories and one of the things i think they do absolutely best is being able to adequately use a large cast of characters 
Um, I think it did a great job focusing the story around uh, around Tom Holland's character and allowing allowing him to be the central focus around which everything flowed, which was, uh, you know, it was not obvious that that was going to be the case. And um, I, I found myself genuinely surprised by, by the direction that this took in a couple of in- instances, which I was not anticipating. Um, for me, the question was whether or not this was just going to if, whether or not it was going to be able to stand on its own or if it was going to rely too much on nostalgia uh, to drive it. And it absolutely stood on its own very well. Yeah. Uh, what did, uh, I guess, I guess do, is there anything else we should say before we start breaking it down specifically? I don't think so. Okay. So this will be your spoiler warning. We are now going to start getting into the very specifics of the film. Uh, So if you have not seen it or do not want any further spoilers, then you can stop here, skip to the next section. Actually, this will be the last section. So you're just done with the podcast if you don't want to listen to this. (laughs) See you, everybody. (laughs) Bye, everybody, if you don't want more spoilers. Uh, But definitely come back to the spoilers after you've seen the movie. And if you haven't seen it, don't watch this or listen to it because you should watch the movie before you hear any of this. Yeah, I agree. It's, It's worth seeing before you get into the spoilers. Okay. Rob, let's break it down. Um, there were several, several big things on here. Um, what did you? What? Let's start. Let's start here. What did you make of the multiverse concept as it related to this film? At first, I wasn't sure how it was going to play out when Doctor Strange was uh, performing his spell mm-hmm. to make people forget, and it seemed. I, I almost felt like it seemed a little hokey or corny of a way to make it happen. But I think that the way they addressed it beyond that made it okay. Because <laughs> mm. when, when that was going on, I was kind of like, eh, not sure how I feel about them doing it this way. But um, I think probably just due to how good the performances were from the actors who were drawn in during this, <clears throat> I think it covers up a lot of that. And, yeah. Uh, I was very impressed by uh, Jamie Foxx and Willem Dafoe, especially. Mm. Their characters were fantastic. I thought that uh, Dafoe kind of, for, for the bad side of things, he was the clear focus. And I think they did a better job of making Green Goblin be like really evil in this yeah. movie than he had even been in the previous ones. Yeah. Yeah. He he was he displayed part of that tortured nature, but was much more on the evil side in this one, which was really cool. Yeah, I think with the multiverse, my my one concern when they go multiverse is how chaotic it can get and how it's very easy for the scope to just get outlandish. Um, and they didn't do that with this one. It was very limited in, in what they brought in and then how they explained it. In particular, um, 
you know, people who limited to people who, you know, the bad guys he who knew he was Spider-Man, it was really limited. It was very limited at first. It didn't just immediately open this giant can of worms. Um, and some of that would come into play later. So I was impressed with the fact that while they brought the multiverse into it, they did it slowly and they did it in such a way where it was the focus was narrow and tight at very at the very first moment. There was just those, there was just the was it the four bad guys mm-hmm. at first, which I thought I thought allowed it allowed you to ease into the concept, allowed the story to still take forth forth without it just getting out, completely out of whack and out of hand. So I was impressed with how they did that, and then how they were able to then use that to open it up later. And then the, the threat of the giant chaos doesn't come until the very end, uh, which I thought was really appropriate. All right. So what 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 did you like about this? We'll go general now. What did, what did you like about this film? Uh, what are some specifics that you had in mind? Well, like I had mentioned earlier, I really liked how they portrayed the villains and how they all got kind of their own time. Mm-hmm. And you were able to hear each of their motivations and each of their motivations were different, which made, I think the movie itself and in particular, the fight scenes at the end, they gave it a unique quality because they weren't all trying to do the same thing for the same reason. So they were all trying to stop the spider men. Yes, that was plural. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> for different reasons, which I found pretty fascinating. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, some of the main things I liked about it were, um, were focused. I think that, that focus on, on like the key aspect of, of Spider-Man, which is, you know, from the classic line from the very first movie, which comes back in this movie with great power comes great responsibility is kind of the essence of Spider-Man about how his decisions, you know, the weight of his decisions, the weight of the consequences of his decisions and him learning how to deal with the consequences of his decisions. And I thought that, that is an S in essence, what Spider-Man has always been about. And, and that they were able to bring that back in a, a new kind of fresh way uh, was really interesting. I, I love the fact that I was, this is one of the things I was not expecting was the plot line of him. Uh, you get, you get the four bad guys from the other universes and Dr. Strange just wants to send them back to their universes and Peter realizing that they're all going to die if they get sent back and then not wanting to do that. Uh, that, that part of the storyline really intrigued me because that was not a direction I was anticipating them going. So then, then Tom Holland trying to fight for their redemption while they threaten the rest of the world uh, was a really, really interesting and compelling storyline. Yeah. yeah, and obviously, uh, if we're talking about things we like, we got to talk about the three Spider-Men. Yes, we do. Let's do it. And I would say that I was 
so there's obviously there was no confirmation before this came out that this was going to happen because they hit it like it was not in the trailers or a lot of rumors but no one really knew what might or might not happen with it and i'm really happy they did it that way mm-hmm. and didn't ruin it before the movie yeah um, absolutely but i thought that even if they did show up it might be just kind of uh nod to the fans like hey, here are these guys. Remember them? They were cool Spider-Men. And it turned out that they were like a main part of the entire last third of the movie. Yes. Which was awesome. Yeah. (laughs) And I thought their interactions together were hilarious. And also there were moments between them that had a lot of gravity to them. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was really well written. Yeah. Overall, Um, having both of them come in and having their interactions when so when uh ned did the first portal when he got dr strange's Mm -hmm. uh finger amulet thing and got the guy to come through like i i knew before he took off the mask that it was andrew garfield just (laughs) when i heard him talk Uh but like when when he showed his face i definitely went ah like there was noise and i wasn't the Mm -hmm. only one in the theater Mm-hmm. Um, it was cool to see him back again because I think that he did a really good job as Spider-Man and was hamstrung by some not great movies built around him which is unfortunate yeah. and I heard uh, someone say I thought it was a pretty good analogy that to them Andrew Garfield is the Pierce Brosnan of the Spider-Man movies <laughs> okay. that it's not his fault that his character, like he, he did adequate playing his character and it's not his fault. The movies around him were not up to the standard of some of the others. And I kind of feel like Pierce Brosnan probably deserves the same kind of recognition for his work as James Bond. So that made a lot of sense to me. And then Toby Maguire seeing him again was great. And just, the like more relaxed, mature Spider-Man mm-hmm. um, giving words of wisdom and getting made fun of. <laughs> I love the line from Andrew Garfield. Are you just going to, are you going to go into battle dressed like a cool youth faster? Yes, that, that was fantastic. <laughs> that really was good. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Cause like the whole time he was wearing that suit, I think is in the back of all our minds. Like, is he, like actually going to fight or is he just yeah. here to be here you know mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i was glad that they uh, i just think they did a really really fantastic job of not revealing everything all at once yeah and the i think the three spider-man arc was handled just incredibly well it really was it really was i was very very impressed with it um for a number of reasons. Um, one, I think that you got, they did a great job of carrying on the different personalities and the different characters that each of the, uh, that each of their Spider-Men were like each of them were slightly different in how they approached things, how their character was. I mean, obviously it was partially built on the actor who played them, but they all felt a little bit different. And so being able to bring those personality differences 
into the storyline and help that be part of their interaction with each other, both from a, a uh, an emotional standpoint, but from a, uh, a person like an action standpoint and from, and from a joke standpoint, like you were talking about, there were lots of jokes made about their differences uh, in particular where uh, Tom Holland and, and Garfield are uh, laughing slash annoyed that they didn't have actual web shooting out of their body. Yeah. <laughs> that was a running joke about the differences there about how they both had to engineer their webs versus yeah. uh, them coming right out of Toby Maguire. Uh, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of humor surrounding that. Um, but even the different paths that their, their stories had taken and their lives had taken. I think that that kind of leads me to my biggest thing I loved about this is this has always been something that's kind of stuck in fans crawl is that you have these three different Spider-Men and, and they don't have an integrated storyline. It's not like James Bond where like one takes over, then the other one takes over. It never felt like that. It always felt like there was something unsettled about the fact that you have these three Spider-Men and this movie really brought that together in a way that I think redeemed all of them and created a commonality that kind of heals that, that little nagging crawl about, about the different Spider-Men that brings mm. them all together and creates something that's now integrated. And I think that that is going to be a lasting legacy of this movie going forward is there's not going to be as much like, oh, well, what if Andrew Garfield had been able to do this? Or what if we'd done some different things with, with um, Tobey Maguire? Um, or, you know, how do they stack up against each other? I, th I think this really brings an integration to the entire um, universe of Spider-Man that started in the early 2000s. And it's kind of crazy to think that, like, less than, it was like two years ago, I think, we were talking about, Sony and Marvel not getting along and potentially Spider-Man not even being part of Marvel anymore. And yeah. we go from that to what this movie was. And mm -hmm. it's pretty amazing the turnaround there. It really, really is. It really is. And I, I think uh, I kind of, I kind of made a note that like, I think Andrew Garfield was the, of all the, I think they, I loved all of them together. I think Andrew Garfield stood out. Yeah. I think he really did. And he had the whole kind of emo Spider-Man thing going on where he was like, ah, you know, like the woe is me Spider-Man, yeah. like, like the doubting himself Spider-Man. And uh, it was, it was, it was quite, it was quite both comical. And, and I think it did bring, it did bring a lot of emotional weight to see where they were at this point in their lives. Um, I saw, could, I saw yeah. people say that, um, you could tell how much he loves the character mm. by his performance. And I think I really agree with that. Statement. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and his, his character was more emotional. And that was one thing that was brought out where Toby Maguire's character was much more stoic. And that, that came out too. And so you had, you had Tom Holland, who's the Spider-Man who's really struggling. You have Andrew Garfield, who's able to relate to those struggles and talk about the bad path that he chose. And then you have the experience and the wisdom of Tobey Maguire to kind of be the stabilizing force amongst that. And that, that juxtaposition was just so well handled. I think my favorite um, interaction between them was when Tom Holland's like, not to brag, but 
um, in the Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Garfield's like, what's the awesome? What's that? Is that a band? <laughs> Are you in a band? <laughs> Oh, that's so good. And and that brought out a great point because that was the question was, what does Tom Holland bring to this equation? And and they answered it in that, and that he has he's the Spider-Man who's learned how to work together, who's had to learn how to be a part of the team. And that's what he brought to the equation, which was really cool. Yeah. Um uh I also very much enjoyed uh the cameo from Matt Murdoch. Mm the daredevil uh at the beginning as as uh peter parker's lawyer really really cool i love that i'm a very good lawyer <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was great uh, that that was awesome I, I i was not expecting that really really enjoyed that um so what did you, what else did, I mean, we talked a little bit about the bad guys in this and, and their role. What did you make of the kind of bad guy redemption storyline? I really like what they did with um, Otto Octavius because reality was he was never like a complete evil mastermind. He was just overtaken by what he had created. And I think they did a stellar job of resolving that and allowing him and Peter to have that reconnection and redemption, mm. I think was pretty special moment. Um, as far as, and I, and I like how they pushed the green goblin narrative to the point where the only way he was redeemed was having it forced upon him because yeah. I feel like that's accurate to who Norman Osborn had become. Mm-hmm. Um, and Electro too is kind of the same as Dr. Octavius a little bit that he was overtaken by this thing and wasn't a bad person, just wanted to be noticed and recognized. And I really liked his character in the movie he was in originally. Um and it's unfortunate that those movies weren't the best, but I thought that Jamie Foxx was good as that character. And I thought he was even better as the character in this movie. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. I think they did a great job of tailoring the solution to each one of their, each one of their, their situations. Um, at first I wasn't entirely sure about the, that, that plot line of him wanting to him wanting to save all of them i you know but that's part of that was part of the struggle of i mean this is still high school and this is what tom holland brings is that he was the best at portraying high school spider-man and so you can see how someone who wouldn't have had the same battles or the same fights with these guys would would just see them uh, through a little bit of a naive lens, but a, an ide- a hopeful lens, and then want to do something about that. And then this is this is what's so great about it is the idea of doing the right thing did not necessarily mean that there were no consequences to it, and how his life became much more difficult, and there were absolute consequences to taking the path that he took. Yeah, I just think overall it was fantastically done. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, 
were you at all disappointed that Venom didn't play a larger role in this? Because we basically just got mm-hmm. Venom in the mid credit scene. Yeah, I thought he was going to be in the movie. So yeah. I was a little sad that he wasn't, but I understand that there was already a whole lot going on Yeah, in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that potentially he could be involved in the future with some of these other villains and uh, another group that comes together called the Sinister Six. So we could see that happening at some point. Um, so we'll just have to see where that goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I thought they had really set it up that he was going to be in this film. I really did. Uh, after after Venom, I thought they, they really set it up that way. So, um, But I, I mean, the movie was great, so I didn't necessarily need Venom in this movie. Uh, but I was just surprised that the way they had set it up that he wasn't in it. I also, I have to say, I really liked how they started the movie, just like exactly at the end of the previous one and having Mysterio's voiceover over the beginning instead of the Marvel music was kind of haunting and powerful, I thought, as a way to lead into what was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I will link to I will, the other thing, wrap up with this is like, I'll, I'll link to an article on IGN, but basically talks about how Spider-Man avoided the legacy sequel traps that a lot of other ones have fallen into. Um, in particular, they compare this film to um, to the Star Wars series about how they basically like it's about recycling plot lines from the first movie, um, throwing in old characters to interact with new characters just for fan service and how this one managed to avoid that. And I think that was one thing I was concerned that wouldn't be the case. And I really, really do think they used all of the all of the multiverse, all of the, the legacy bad guys, all the call outs in service of an actual new storyline that feels like it moves the story forward, uh, which was really cool. Um, what, what do you make of how it ended? How the world now doesn't know Peter Parker is Spider-Man. What, what do you make of that? And what do you think about that going forward? Uh, I think it sets it up for the potential for Spider-Man to be like, I think he'd become this huge celebrity kind of character in that universe. And I think this kind of um, maybe allows him to go back to being the neighborhood Spider-Man who goes around and helps people. Um, Maybe it's more focused on his part of the world and not drawn into stuff all over the place i guess we'll have to wait and see what happens next with marvel yeah um but i also think it was a way to if tom holland is done being spider-man i think there was a decent way to write his character write him as the character out of the story mm-hmm. because if no one remembers that it's him then it doesn't have to be him anymore yeah it can just be a faceless spider-man yeah yeah um, I, I'm still curious to see what this actually looks like in practice. I found myself like in the one of the final scenes where Happy is next to Peter and they don't recognize each other and they're both standing over Aunt May's grave, which we didn't mention the death of Aunt May up until this point. Um, I found myself slightly confused about how that dynamic would work. Mm-hmm. 
you know, how does Happy know Aunt May if he doesn't know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man? How, how, like, I just, yeah, they both knew, they both knew her through Spider-Man. Well, how does Aunt May know Spider-Man if she, like, that, that, there was a little bit of confusion for me in that scene about how that dynamic works. So I'm wondering, I'm just wondering how that dynamic is going to continue going forward. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, anything else you got? Uh, I have a joke. Okay. Did you hear that they banned Spider-Man from playing Jeopardy? I did not. Because he was winning all the time and they were getting frustrated. Because with great power comes great response ability. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm going to have to edit this back out of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note, (laughs) that is all the time we have for this podcast. Thank you for joining us uh, and a Merry Christmas to all of you. And until next time, enjoy the movies. Merry Christmas. Go watch movies.